Welcome to the Harmony Christian Church podcast. We hope you're encouraged by today's message from Pastor Josh Shoemaker. If you have your Bibles, open them up to Isaiah chapter 61, starting in verse 1. This should be familiar. We've been talking about this the past uh, three weeks, now four weeks. Uh, So Isaiah chapter 61, verse 1, it says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to console all who mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planning of the Lord, that he may be glorified. And they shall rebuild old ruined cities, their old ruins, and they shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations." The garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness. Amen. The garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness. True biblical praise is an outward manifestation. Not an emotional response, but an intentional outward expression of adoration and thanksgiving. Praise is not just a response that, I should say it this way, it is a response, but it's not an emotional response that, that, that just takes over. Praise is intentional, and it's something that can be tangibly seen by another person. If, if, you, are, if you are praising the Lord Someone else in the room can point at you and say that is happening. It's not just something that happens internally. It is an outward expression of praise. Now, I, we, I say this because the word praise in the Bible, in the Hebrew, there are seven different words for praise. We've talked about this the last couple of weeks, so I'm not going to go over all of them. But there are seven different words for the one word in English, praise. All seven of them are outward manifestations. Lifting your hands bowing low, shouting, dancing. All of these are words in scripture for the word praise and all of them are outward expressions. All of them are something that you physically do to praise. Praise, we, let, let me say this, praise is not led by our emotions. It is led by his worthiness. It's not led by how we feel in the moment. Our praise, our expression of praise is led by his worthiness. We praise because he is worthy of the praise. We praise because he is good and he has been faithful to us. Amen. Praise has the power to change the atmosphere of the entire room. It has the power to change the atmosphere of the, entire, of the entire room, as it did with Paul and Silas when they were in prison. They're in the deep, deepest, darkest room in the prison. 
they begin worshiping and praising at the hour of midnight in their chains, still healing from the wounds that were inflicted upon them that evening. They begin lifting up their voice in praise. And the Bible says that all of the prisoners begin listening. Now, could you imagine the culture shock, right? I doubt, I doubt the prisoners were accustomed to singing in prison, right? It's, they say of, of the, the, the scholars say of the prisons in that time that they were not just holding cells, that they were actually used as a form of torture to the prisoners. The conditions of the prisons were terrible, so they weren't, they weren't accustomed to singing, but Paul and Silas began singing praise, and it changed the entire atmosphere of one of the darkest places in the city. It did it with Mary. It changed the atmosphere in the room when Mary poured the perfume on Jesus' feet. The Bible tells us, I love this verse, it says that the fragrance of the perfume filled the entire house. No, no what else? There, there's other, this, I love this too about this story. There's scholars that say that the perfume on her feet, on his feet, would have been so strong. And then the timing of all of that, that it is very possible that as the soldiers were nailing Jesus' feet to the cross, that they could have smelled the perfume that Mary poured out. Your praise changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere around you. Praise fixes heaviness. Why is praise important? Because Isaiah 61.3 doesn't say he gives us a garment of prayer for the spirit of heaviness. He doesn't give us a garment of community. He doesn't give us a garment of preaching or church or any of those wonderful, important things, the Bible says what fixes heaviness is the garment of praise. Amen? We've talked about praise. We've talked about the garment last week, right, uh, Brian? We talked about the garment last week. I think it was Brian's most favorite Sunday last week. <laughs> so he got to rock the IU sweatshirt. How many showers have you taken since then, Brian? A lot. A few extra this week. <laughs> so we've talked about praise. We've talked about the garment. Today I want to talk about heaviness. When we say that the garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness, what are we saying the garment of praise fixes? Often when we think of heaviness... Our minds immediately go, at least it does for me, my mind immediately goes to a depressive state or an overwhelmed state or a place of anxiety. And the word heaviness does absolutely mean those things. But the word here in Hebrew actually goes even beyond those things. So it does mean a disheartened, disheartedness. It does mean despair. But the Hebrew word goes a little bit further and also means this, the word is kehi for heaviness. The Hebrew word is kehi, and it means colorless, dim, faint. It gives the idea of growing weak, eyes growing weak with old age. It's the word smoldering, and again, disheartened and despair. So not only does it mean 
depression or anxiety or, as, as I said here, despair or being disheartened, the word actually means a loss of color, right? It's colorlessness, a loss of excitement, a loss of imagination and wonder, a loss of beauty. When Malachi was just uh, a baby, Malachi loved TV, okay? He's loved watching TV. Any kind of screen you put in front of him, he's always just loved watching, okay? I know, I know that's pretty common in this day and age. People love their screens, but Malachi loved his screen from week one, all right? And uh, when, when he was really little, and we, we would, uh, of course, you have those nights where you wait, he wakes up in the middle of the night, and you got to calm him down, you got to feed him, you got to do all of those things. Well, what would calm Malachi down the most was watching a movie, but not just any movie. Amber, remember? Not just any movie. It was VeggieTales, not just VeggieTales. It was, um, what was, the, what was it called? A, a, a Toys, The Toy That Saved Christmas. That's right. VeggieTales. How many of you seen VeggieTales, The Toy That Saved Christmas? How many VeggieTales fans do we got in the house today? Got a few. All right. So Malachi loved this movie, right? And of course, he's a week two weeks, a few months old, so he doesn't understand what's happening in a movie. What does he love about the movie? The color, right? He's fascinated by the colors. I still get PTSD every time the, that, that movie starts. If I hear that music, I go right back to those days, and uh, it's a nightmare. So if you ever, what's that? And the car rides, yeah, it was constant. It was, it was in the middle of the night. It was during the day. We were, at that point, we're living in Alabama, so we were driving home a lot from Indiana, so about eight, nine-hour trips. The whole time, it's the toy that saved Christmas, right? Going, playing in the back. But, it, but the color, right, is what fascinated Malachi, right? It's what kept his attention. It was what captivated his attention. Do you know why the disciples followed Jesus? Do you know why Peter dropped his nets when he saw Jesus and began following him? Let me tell you. There's several stories in the Bible. Let me tell you just a few. There's a moment in time where Jesus was preaching to a crowd. He began preaching in a, in a house, actually, and the house began to get full. People began to gather around to listen to Jesus' teaching. And there was a paralytic man who was on a mat, who his friends carried in, was trying to get them to Jesus, right? And they couldn't get him to Jesus, so what did they do? They go to the top of the roof, and they begin breaking apart the roof. They lower him through the roof. Everyone knows the story. They lower him through the roof. Jesus forgives his sins, and then he heals the man, right? The man gets up and walks, and, and, the, and Jesus heals them. Let me show you what it says in Matthew chapter 9 in that moment. It says, when the crowds witnessed this miracle... They were awestruck. They shouted praises to God because he had given such authority to human beings. They were awestruck. Another time Jesus is teaching and crowds were gathering around listening to him. As he was teaching, there was a man in the crowd who was demon-possessed who began shouting and began making noises and began raising, raising uh, uh, just a ruckus in the crowd. Jesus looks at the man, casts the demon out of the man. The man is instantly set free. And here's what it says in Mark chapter 1, verse 26. It says, The man's body shook violently in spasms, 
and the demon hurled him to the floor until it finally came out of him with a deafening shriek. The crowd was what? Awestruck and unable to stop saying among themselves, what is this new teaching that comes with such authority? With merely a word, he commands demons to come out and they obey him. Another story in the Bible, Jesus and the disciples are riding across the sea in a boat when a storm hits. Jesus is asleep on the lower deck of the boat and the disciples wake him. When they wake him, he commands the seas to be calm and the seas instantly, the storm instantly stops and the seas are calm. This was the disciples' reaction in Mark chapter 4. But they were overwhelmed with fear and awe. And said to one another, who is this man who has such authority that even the winds and the waves obey him? Why did the disciples follow Jesus? They followed him because they were awestruck at this man. Because they saw him and were in wonder and amazement and fascinated with this man named Jesus. It wasn't just because he was a good teacher or preacher. It wasn't because he was just a charismatic person. They followed him because they were fascinated with him. Because they were in wonder. They were awestruck at this man named Jesus. Jesus brought color into their lives. And even when everyone else left him, right? You remember the story when Jesus had just performed a bunch of miracles. He crosses the sea. Then it says that the crowd follows him over there. And Jesus gives, uh, gives this super encouraging message and says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, right? You can have no part of me. He doesn't explain it what he means. He just says, unless you eat me and drink my blood, you can have no part in me. And the Bible says that it was too much for the crowd to handle. And they all left them except for the disciples. And when Jesus looks at them and says, why have you not left also? Peter says, where else would we go? You have the words of eternal life. They didn't always understand Jesus. In fact, most of the time, I would guess, they probably had no clue what he was talking about. But they didn't follow him just because of that. They followed him because he is life. He is color. He is wonder. And then because of following him, they were awestruck at this man named Jesus. The spirit of heaviness comes when following Jesus loses its color. It's not just about depression. It's not just about anxiety. It's about losing fascination. Heaviness is when the color has gone out and life becomes dim. Your relationship with Jesus becomes dull and dim. There is no more awe and there is no more wonder. This is heaviness. You begin following Jesus not because you're awestruck, but because you're obligated because it's become routine for you to do so. 
It's something going to church, doing these things, praying, maybe even reading your Bible. You're doing all of the right things, but it's not out of fascination. It's not because you are driven by a hunger to see his face. It's because it's just become an obligation that you know, I really should be doing this, but there's no wonder in it. It's routine. All the color has faded away. All the excitement is gone. All the energy that you used to have to serving the Lord has faded. And it's become a system. It's become a routine. It's become dry. Your life on Christ ends up going on autopilot. Anybody ever experienced that before? But the Bible tells us that there's a solution to this. There's a solution to the colorlessness. There's a solution to the loss of wonder and awe. The garment of praise. The garment of praise fixes heaviness. Why is praise the solution? Because it puts your eyes back on Jesus. It puts your eyes back on Jesus. If your relationship with him has become dull and colorless, it's not because he has become less fascinating. Amen? It's not because he has lost any of his splendor or majesty. If our relationship with him has become dull and colorless, it's because we have lost our gaze on him. It's because we have, we have allowed our eyes to go to something else to fulfill the wonder in our lives. How is it, listen to this, how is it that we are sons of the most fascinating being in history, yet we get bored during praise and worship? How is it that we have the opportunity, the Bible tells us that we can approach the throne of grace boldly, without fear. In the Old Testament, they couldn't do that. But Jesus split the curtain in two, and now we can enter into his presence whenever we want. The Bible says that when you pray, go into your room and shut the door. And when you have prayed to your Father in heaven, who is in the secret place, your Father will reward you openly. He's in the secret place how is it that we can go to the secret place and spend time with the most fascinating being in history and be bored? How is it that we can come to prayer meetings where we get to commune with the Father and walk away feeling nothing? If our relationship with him has lost its color, it's not because he has changed. It's because we have taken our eyes off of him. And what praise does, what the garment of praise does, is that even when you are feeling dull and colorless, this is why it's important to, 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 uh, to recognize that praise is an intentional thing. Because even when you are feeling dull and colorless and you begin to praise anyways, 
What that does is, is when you put that garment on, it puts your eyes back on the most fascinating being in history. And all of a sudden, the world lights back up. All of a sudden, the awe and fascination comes back. The hunger to know him more comes back. The life that he gives comes back as we put on the garment of praise and worship and praise him, even when it feels dull and colorless. The garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness. Amen. How much more exciting would our devotion be if it was about encountering the God of mystery rather than the dusty God of religion? And you do know that's what religion is, right? Religion is a system that you have to build when you are, when, when he, um, religion is a system you have to build when he comes out of the focus. When he stops being the driving force of your life, you have to build systems around you. And those systems are religion. We're going to talk a little more about that here in a second. I don't want to jump too far. The other word that caught my attention in this word heaviness in the Hebrew. Uh-oh. There we go. The other word that caught my attention in the Hebrew was the word smoldering. Immediately, this is not the definition, but I think of tangled. I have too many kids. I think of tangled, you know, the smolder, you know. This is not that word, all right. It's smoldering. <laughs> smoldering. Uh, several years ago when, we were, when uh, Amber and I were just teenagers in youth group still, uh, we took a mission trip to Mexico. And uh, we, in the, on this mission trip, one of the places we went was the city dump. And um, it's a place where all the trash was. I mean, there was heaps and heaps and heaps of trash. From a distance, you, you thought they were mountains in the distance. But the closer you got, you realized that it was just, it was literally just heaps of trash. And people actually lived in the city dump. They built uh, huts and houses in the city dump. It was just unbelievable in this, in this, uh, this area that we were in. But on, on all of these mountaintops, you would see the smoke coming up from the mountains. And what it was, was this, this smoldering fire, right, that was burning the trash. And it smelled awful. Let me tell you, it smelled awful. But it was just this smoldering. And now here's the thing. There was no flame. It was just smoke, right? The definition of smoldering is the process of burning with smoke, but no flame. Heaviness is defined in the Hebrew. One of the words for heaviness in the Hebrew is smoldering. That the spirit of heaviness comes when your life in him is all smoke, but no flame. No passion. No desire. No hunger. Colorless, dim right? All smoke, but no flame. Now here's the deal. Smoke implies that there once was a flame, but it has burned out. There once was passion, but the passion has diminished. The flame has been smothered. The word kehi 
also gives the idea of eyes growing weak and dim with old age. I love, love this here. If you do a word study of this verse, the word heaviness here, kehi, which also means eyes growing weak and dim with old age, is the same word that is used in 1 Samuel chapter 3 when it describes Eli, the priest. It says, when Eli was lying down in his place, his eyes had begun to grow so dim that he could not see. That word dim there is the word kehi, which is the same word used in Isaiah 61, verse 3, for heaviness. Eli, if you don't know who he was, he was a priest. He was a priest who, for the most part, was a good priest. He did all the things he was supposed to, right? But it actually describes uh, Eli in the Bible. It says that Eli, even though he did all of the right things, the Bible tells us that he honored his sons over the Lord. That he did not honor the Lord properly. And you see the effects of this in Eli's kids. Because Eli's children, who were also priests under him, were, uh, were, were extremely disrespectful to the house of God. They would take the offerings that people would bring to the Lord. They would take them and for themselves and use the meat to, the Bible even tells us, they would use the meat to fatten themselves up. That they would actually... They would uh, seduce the women that would come in to serve in the tabernacle, that they would seduce them. And uh, the, these, these sons of Eli were, uh, had no honor, no respect for the Lord. And even though Eli at one point did try to correct them, they, the Bible says that they did not heed his words. So Eli, even though he did all of the right things, he went through all of the right motions the Bible tells us that he honored his sons over the Lord. And it tells us this, that when Eli was lying down in his place, his eyes began to grow dim, so dim that he could not see. Some of the heaviness that we feel is because we have grown so old in religion that we have lost our vision. That Eli did not honor the Lord. And so because he did not honor the Lord, he had to rely on the system of religion. And as he honored the system of religion, he says that his eyes grew so old in religion that he lost his vision. The preceding verse tells us that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. And there was no widespread revelation. What happens when we aren't following the voice of the Lord? We fall back again into religious systems. Salvation becomes making sure we have slaughtered the right animal, worn the right garments in the tabernacle, and burned the right incense. Or if you bring it into more modern days, that we have prayed enough. Salvation is that we have prayed enough, we have read enough, we have abstained as much as possible from sinning. We slip back into the religion of works instead of the union of grace. This is what heaviness looks like. Both words, again, for the word heaviness, all the words for heaviness, imply the loss of something. That there was something that was once there 
but it has been lost and has been diminished, that it has been hindered. And usually in this, this uh, when we get in this state, we try to fix it on our own, by our own works, right? Just like in the dream that I shared with you a few weeks back, and the dream that cloud of heaviness was in the room, and we tried to fix that heaviness on our own. We tried to fix it by opening up the windows. How many, have you ever set off a smoke detector before, right? What do you immediately do? You go and you open the windows up. Well, in the dream, that's what we were trying to do with heaviness. We we're trying to open the windows up, air out the room, trying to fix it on our own. And we were unable to do that in the dream. There was one thing that fixed it in the dream. And what was it? The garment of praise. The garment of praise. Thank you, Jesus. The garment of praise fixes the spirit of heaviness. The answer for the spirit of heaviness is the garment of praise. Praise restores the color. It feeds the imagination and it births childlike wonder. Praise fans the flames of passion, rekindles desire, and makes us hungry for more. I want to ask you this morning, as we come to a close this morning, I want to ask you, what has caused the heaviness in your life? And again, heaviness is not just depression. It's not just anxiety. It can be those things. It's, it's not just despair. When I say heaviness, I'm saying, what has caused you to take your eyes off of the most fascinating being in history? What has caused your relationship with him to lose its flame? What has caused your relationship with him to be all smoke and no flame? What has knocked you off track? For some, that may be an illness. For some, it may just be the routine of day in and day out. Just living life and maybe putting aside your time with the Lord uh, one day and then maybe another day and maybe another day. Before long, you've just gone on autopilot in your Christianity. You've just gone on, just uh, you're just letting, letting it happen. There's no intentionality. And before you even know it, it's just you've lost all color, you've lost all fascination, you've lost all passion. What is it that has caused the heaviness in your life? Whatever it may be, I want to tell you the key to fixing it is the intentionality of putting on the garment of praise. Putting your eyes back on him. Being intentional about expressing your honor and your worship and his worthiness. And as you begin to praise the passion the flame, the color returns. The one thing becomes the one thing again.
the one thing becomes the one thing again. Like the old song says, I turn my eyes upon Jesus. I look full in his wonderful face. And the things of this earth grow strangely dim (laughs) in the light of his glory and grace. Let's stand together this morning. If you would, with just one more time this morning, let's just lift our hands to him as an intentional sign of praise. Father, we turn our eyes to you this morning. God, even if we've been distracted, even if we've lost sight of you, Lord, even if our relationship with you has gone on autopilot and we have lost the color in our relationship with you, Jesus Today, we are intentional about putting back on the garment of praise, about making the one thing the one thing again, setting our eyes upon you, Jesus. Father, I pray that as we set our eyes back upon you, Father, as we are intentional to put on the garment of praise, Father, that you would restore once again the color in our lives. That as the disciples followed you, because they were awestruck. God, I pray that the awestruckness would come back to us as well. I don't know if that's a word, but I'm using it this morning. Father, that the awestruckness would come back. God, that we would be fascinated with you again. Father, that our relationship with you, that our our Christianity would not be a religious experience built around systems and obligations, but God, that it would be for the joy set before us. That it would be because at your right hand, there are pleasures evermore. Father, that laughter would fill our lives once again because we are in wonder and fascination at your beauty. Father, that the oil of joy would be poured on our lives. And Father, that what was once dim and colorless, what was once smoldering and barely alive would come fully alive once again. Let us be fully alive once again, Lord. God, we honor you. We honor you, Jesus, because you are worthy of that honor. And we thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving us the garment of praise that fixes the spirit of heaviness. In Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more messages like this or information about our church, please visit HarmonyChurchFamily.org.